Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. Day three of the NFL Draft here in Kansas City, and we're scrambling a little bit. We were kind of, uh, we were kind of just chilling. Like we're day day three, uh, not totally ready for the Chiefs to make a move. Uh, their fourth round pick was at, at the tail end of the fourth round, so that we had some time to kill here for a little bit, but the Chiefs jumped back up into the fourth round to grab somebody who they like. The pick is in right now. They trade with the Minnesota Vikings and also give up a 2024 fifth round pick to jump up 15 spots in the fourth round. So that's a pretty significant jump. That's the biggest jump we've seen them make so far in this NFL draft. Who are the guys, Caleb and Ron, that you think the Chiefs are going after right now? So I've been saying that the defensive tackle position makes the most sense for them to be attacking. It's kind of that last true need that they have. You know, I do think they need a running back as well, and it could be a running back. There's some intriguing ones on the board, but I do think they need to address the trenches. They, they need bodies there, right? A lot of the bodies they have there outside of Chris Jones are just kind of meh, and uh, uh, unfortunately, especially at the nose tackle position. So I don't know, Caleb, any other positions we should be looking at? I think the two most likely options are going to be looking for that one technique on the defensive line, but I would not be surprised if they double up at wide receiver. Also, Tyler Scott is still on the board. We've talked a lot about, Woo! you know, trying to add maybe a big deep threat. So let's, we'll take a look at what we got going with that. I, yeah, no, Tyler Scott, honestly, the, the, the receivers on the board still, you know, a guy like a guy like T- Tyler Scott, Parker, Washington, um, even A.T. Perry, he's a deep threat as that big X receiver, Trey Palmer, the Nebraska receiver. The Chiefs have some speed they could go with on the field uh, here at receiver as well. So that, that is a, a good point. Yeah, that that would be really interesting after taking Rasheed Rice uh, yesterday and on day two of the NFL draft. And, and if, if they take another wide receiver, it's going to roll into like mini camp and OTAs and stuff with like 12 wide receivers on the roster. But I don't hate it. Like we got a lot of questions about that group, but I I do think that like you guys were saying defensive tackle, which is still a position of need, which we've seen them address all positions of need so far in this draft. Uh, Defensive tackle seems like it would be heavily in play as we eagerly await Eric Stone Street to announce the Chiefs fourth round selection. So let's see. Uh, We're we're waiting. I've been kind of saying Keandre Coburn is my favorite nose tackle, true nose tackle left on the board. He's a Texas defensive tackle. Um, Very stout, you know, and can do it. But we're about to hear here. So let's see what we got. Come on, Eric Stone Street. Don't let us down. Don't let us down, Stone Street. We're ready. They take a corner, though. They take Chamari Connor, the Virginia Tech cornerback. So they they go. Okay, must be kind of a BPA here because not necessarily a position of need, but you can never have enough corners as they like to say. It's that that's actually interesting because I think me and Caleb were talking about it before we got here this morning. Um, 
It's like, you know, the, the, the success that the Chiefs have had with these mid-round picks in the past couple of years, it was like, yeah, these are the needs and there's some other guys on the board that we really like. But would you be shocked if they decided to just do something like take a cornerback? Because like we, we know that their secondary is pretty much set, especially in that cornerback room. But you know, like you mentioned, Ron, like can never have enough good cornerbacks in the NFL. And that seems to be a position that they are really good at evaluating and identifying in the draft. So like, I, I don't have a problem with it. I would have liked to see them go defensive tackle there. But if that is the best player they had on the board, they traded up for him. He's a guy that they obviously identified and wanted to make sure that they got. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, when you, when you kind of look at his, his profile, I mean, he's definitely got that kind of fits just in general. I mean, when you're looking at the basics of, of, of who he is as a player, just kind of that, that bigger corner, right. That kind of has size you know, a willing tackler able to come up, you know, played, uh, you know, with Virginia tech, uh, that defense, but Definitely someone that fits the Spags mold. Um, you know, we kind of talk about playing on the perimeter. You got to be able to come up tackle. It's what Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams were able to do in their rookie years. I got to imagine he's kind of in that same mold. Um, you know, not someone that I particularly looked at, you know, specifically, uh, to be honest with you, but definitely someone I knew that that would be kind of that outside cornerback, not going to be a slot type or anything. He's going to be playing on the perimeter as a corner. So the Chiefs are going to keep attacking that position. And again, it's it's not a, posi- not a bad position to have a lot of uh, depth at. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Brett Veach and his love affair with day three cornerbacks continues. They move up to get Connor, so obviously they like him. But, you know, you take a look at the height, you know, six feet tall, weighs 202 pounds, got 31-inch arms. So he fits kind of those molds that he looks for. He's going to fit, you know, that athletic matrix that Spags typically likes in his cornerbacks. And, you know, even at the bare minimum, because you got to also think in, you know, terms of this, they've, you know, we think they have a good cornerback group right now. They might be drafting guys who they think can possibly contribute on special teams also. That's a yes. big thing with day three, right? Is they need guys to fill out those special teams unit. They need guys that are going to be able to come in and compete. I think what you have in Kamar or um, in Connor is a guy that could possibly be a four phase special team guy, meaning he's going to play on the kick. He's going to play on the kickoff team, the kick return team, the punt team, and the punt return team. So there's definitely some value there. Um, he might have – this honestly feels a little bit early for him, kind yeah. of where you've seen a lot of projections for him. So, again, you know, they trade up. They trade up to get a guy that they like. And, you know, just kind of with the whole, you know, defensive back thing, though, it's something Veach clearly values. It's his personal – you know, it's his personal brand is his style of management well, is he's going to take his cracks on the guys he thinks. And, you know, his track record of day three corners has been pretty darn impressive <laughs> yeah. so far. So, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it wasn't necessarily a gaping need, but it's a guy who they really like, who they think can be a contributor at some point. It's it's interesting to see the the development uh, of Brett Veach and cornerbacks, because a few years ago it was. He doesn't draft quarterbacks. They don't need them. They'll just find, you know, available veterans and get a lot out of them and, and on the cheap. And now the past few years, totally rebuilt the secondary. And you feel pretty confident when they take corners now. Like, I think you kind of have to because of the run that they are on. <laughs> like Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Jerry Sneed a few years ago, like, that that's a fantastic group of playmakers in your secondary. And we saw how impactful those three rookies were last season. So I, I would have liked to have seen a defensive tackle here because uh, like, like you guys were saying, like, I feel like there is some value on the board there, but 
at this point, I'm willing to just assume that when the Chiefs take a cornerback, it's because they know that guy can find a way onto the field and find a way to have an impact. Right. And and I think one of the, the important parts about talking about, you know, getting these day three cornerbacks and obviously Veach has to do a good job of finding the right guys that can do it. But Spags' defense does allow uh, for, for corners to kind of come in and not maybe have to think as much as, as maybe other defenses ask of their cornerbacks, right? Spags is pretty simple. Hey, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to press. You're going you're gonna to have to be physical. You're going to have to come up and, and, and play the run. Um, we're going to ask you to man cover at times. But it's not like he's, he, he's a very complicated, uh, you know, a lot of the other positions in, on his defense ask, uh, you know, a lot of complications, a lot of the complexities, you know, the, the, how he gets, you know, very creative with his linebackers blitzing, his safeties. The cornerback position kind of stays tight or kind of stays steady on that outside. And so I do think that it's a, a simple position, um, a simple role uh, to an extent for day three corners to come in. So a lot of times you do just kind of find the guys that are physically impressive that you can tell have the length to disrupt uh, receivers off the ball um, and just not be able to you know, give up uh, you know, easy picks right, or easy catches right away. I think that's what you got with Jalen Watson last year. Obviously, we've seen that. You know, He made some great plays on the outside. Um, and again, I think this is in a similar range. So. Uh, I don't think Chamar Connor is as 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 long as, as the guys we we got last year. I, I I don't think he's in that same thing, but he's as physical, I, I would say. And so I think uh, you know Joshua Williams was a fourth round pick last year. You can kind can kind of compare the two. Connor played at a higher level. I mean, it is it is kind of something where you know Joshua Williams now all of a sudden has to step up if he wants to you know still have a role on this team because the cornerback uh, room is so, loaded. And it, it's and this is from Matt Derrick at Chiefs Digest. Like he played corner and safety so is this another like one of these hybrid spags players where if he can find a way to make an impact as a rookie and get on the field like they're just going to utilize him in multiple different ways you know i I was also just about to say something about that because i looked at his tackles for just you know for a corner his tackle volume is was looked a little high he's got a couple of games where he's close to you know 10 total tackles so with that kind of ability to come down and play, you know, you think you just have a versatile guy and really on a day three like that, having the ability to do both of those things does have value, especially since we kind of feel like the safety units and the uh, cornerback units are kind of rounded out. It kind of helps to have another guy in there that can do a little bit of both just as a depth building piece. It is interesting too the kind of the shift that we've seen where like a couple of years ago, you know, that secondary is built around Tyron Matthew and his final year in Kansas City. He was not interested in tackling and, and like trying to lay hits on people where I, they've got Brian Cook, who we know is a rocket sometimes. And he's a thumper and he likes to lay some hits. And, and now this latest edition, like they've got a lot of cornerbacks that can tackle because we know how solid the Jerry Sneed is in, in that regard, too. So like just the defensive backfield in general, like they got a lot of guys who are not scared to lay hits on people. Yeah, no. And, 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 and this is where, you know, not watching guys, you know, we got to be careful of their instant reactions because yeah, no, I, I think the more you look into him as we're, as we're reacting to it live PFF, if you look at his data, he barely played outside cornerback at all. Actually at Virginia tech, he was, he was primarily a slot defender played in the box quite a bit, did not play over the top. So you're looking at a guy that, that is going to be playing maybe in that safety role, you know, in that same kind of Mike Edwards role, right? You know, they signed him to kind of be in that that kind of slot kind of um, box role. Um, they have a guy like Brian Cook that does some of the some of those same things, not not necessarily in the slot, right? You know, Brian Cook can play more of the top. He's more of a traditional safety. Um, but this is a guy that's going to be, you know, if he's going to be playing on defense, it's slot cornerback. But I think you hit it on the, the nail on the head, Caleb. I mean, this guy's going to be a special teams guy uh, right away, and I think that's that's maybe where where the, the value is uh, for an immediate contributor, right, is playing on special teams right away. Yeah, 
I don't know, man. I do remember, you know, you remember back when they first drafted Legereus Sneed, everyone was kind of like confused about the pick because he just didn't have the greatest safety film in the world. And then they turned him into, you know, I'm not saying he's going to turn into Legereus Sneed or anything, but it is kind of an interesting just to look at, you know, that kind of value for what they did want to pick up on day three. So, I mean, if anything, it's going to add another body into that room. It's going to up the competition, you know, and uh, last year I did think it was funny though. They drafted, uh, they drafted all those guys and then they went out and signed Lonnie Johnson and eventually he did get cut, you know, because they were being aggressive and, you know, trying to get their rookies on the field. I wonder if, you know, like Ron brought up, the uh, Mike Edwards could be in a similar situation where they think they have a veteran who they know they can roll with, but they really like for the younger guy to probably take the role at some point just so they could have him, you know, on the roster. Because he's a fourth-round pick now. I mean, they are going to want him to play at some point. It's just we bring up the special team stuff because that's where he's going to be able to contribute at nearly immediately. But it's crazy, though. You mentioned how guys – how you know how we as analysts are trying to view these guys, you know, we're going off of our information and then the chiefs are like, yeah, well, we, we think this guy that played a lot of safety is going to end up being a corner for us at the next level. So that's just how this kind of thing goes. And I think it just goes back to, I, I think over the last couple of seasons, you can really say that Brett Veach and his staff are just, they're identifying athleticism and they're identifying versatility. Like, guys that can that they can move around on the defensive line guys that they can move around in the secondary and uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball like they've definitely identified it at this point like a type of defender that they want whether it's on the defensive line or in the secondary or in that linebacker core like they 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 definitely identified him as a guy that they think could could wind up being somebody that they can utilize in different ways so uh, again they take Virginia Tech defensive back Jamari Connor, they trade up with the Minnesota Vikings in the fourth round, pick number 119. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do not have another pick until the fifth round. What, yes. What pick did we just take him at? What 122 that was, was the pick. It was we one, took, it was 119 for Jamari Connor. The <laughs> they do not pick again until 166 in the fourth round, barring uh some more movement. If uh, if you recall back to uh Brett Veach's first draft as general manager. They took Armani Watts in a very similar slot. They took him at pick 124. And, you know, he he did some good things. He was a solid backup, but he was mostly just a special teams ace, like one of those four-phase guys like we mentioned. So, you know, you're starting to see kind of some of the similarities and the patterns in the way that Veach likes to draft, just the versatility to do cornerback and safety, and then obviously putting somewhat of a value on special teams. This might have been a Dave Tobe selection if we're – if we're talking, you know, if we're being honest with it. Well, yeah. let me just throw a, a quick stat out there because I'm doing some PFF research on this guy, and and he 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 was blitzed quite a bit too at at, at Virginia Tech was used That's... off the edge, um, not necessarily in 2022, but in his freshman redshirt freshman season, his second year on campus, first year really had a role. He had six sacks as a as a as a defend <laughs> a defensive back. So this is a That's guy that that can you know get after you know kind of just be a disruptor, right? You know you can throw him in the dime defense and say, hey, you know, go make a play against the run, make a you know blitz the quarterback, you know, blow up a running back in pass protection. This is the kind of guy you're kind of looking at there, which. Hey, we it, it's you know those are kind of fun players, right? We kind of like to yeah. see those players on the on your defensive uh, backfield. I'm trying to see if they brought him in on a visit or not. Yeah, um, and we know Spags is going to send those DB blitzes. <laughs> like we we know he's going to do it. He's going to mix up the blitz looks, and so 
you know, he may not be a guy that's going to find the field immediately on the defensive side of the ball, but I totally agree with you guys. Like he seems like a, a for sure locked in special teamer. And you think about like Brian cook and Brian cook had some really great moments on special teams last season, but with the departure of Juan Thornhill, we expect his role to expand in the defense. Like might not be playing special teams as much. So it seems like he's the type of player who could step right in and kind of fill a role there for, for Dave toe. Yeah. And let me add to that because Nate Taylor just tweeted this out. Chiefs area scout, Anthony McGee on safety, Chamari Connors versatility. He was asked to do a lot of things at Virginia tech. He will play any position we need him to in the back end. And he projects him to be a four phase special teamer. So there you go. The, this is the chiefs area scout saying that. So that's the guy, that's the team kind of telling you that he's going to be a special team contributor. So Tobe's got some pull, man. Yeah. And, you know, the Chiefs get a, a guy who's got a chance to be a versatile defensive back for them and will probably step right into a special teams role for Dave Tobe. So can't see Chiefs trade up in the fourth round to number 119 to take uh, Virginia Tech defensive back. Uh, what's his name? Shamari <laughs> Connor. Shamari Connor. See, it's you. That's how you know it's been a long weekend. Well, all right, we've been out here grinding, and I, I'm reacting, and I, I, I'm trying to keep up with all the players that they're adding and all the moving pieces. Chamari Connor, I will not well, forget his name again. I promise. Well, let me say this too: the first three, the first three picks, I honestly went think went pretty uniform to what I think the Chiefs needed at the positional needs. I, I really do, and and it aligned with what I predicted. This was this was pretty far off. I, I especially if he's not a true corner, I really didn't think they needed to address the the safety position again until like a UDFA kind of pick. Um, I really feel like that that that's the truth. And so if this guy really is someone that's, you know, in the similar realm, like I mentioned, as a uh, you know Mike Edwards, as a, a you know a, a Jer- uh, excuse me, um, the Dion Bush, you know, the veteran. I mean, you know, hey, he's a pick now, so he's going to be developing. He's going to be on a rookie deal. He's going to be there, be here for a little bit. So, you know, it's a future pick more than a short-term pick, obviously. But, you know, they still have positional needs. Defensive tackle would have been nice here. Um, you know, other, you know, even even some of the skill position players. But again, uh, you know, it's 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 a special teams pick. And and if this guy ends up making some special teams plays, then it doesn't really matter where he goes in the draft. Um, this team is is you know winning on those kind of margins right now. So they need those guys to, to make those kind of uh, plays on those margins. And just looking at the safety room, you know, outside of Justin Reed, there isn't a guy in that room that's ever been a consistent starter. Mike Edwards has played a lot of snaps, but he's never – he was, you know, his only season as a full-time starter in Tampa Bay. He had lots of ups and downs. You know, I think we're all projecting high on Brian Cook to continue his late-season surge and, you know, win that spot. And then, you know, Deion Bush, he's always been kind of a backup role player guy. So, you know, Connor's going to come in, but it's going to be some interesting competition. And this is really, you know, it's going to bring out the best. This is kind of, honestly, this feels sim. honestly, with that whole looking for the last safety, I mean, we think it's going to be Cook, but just kind of like with the Wanya Morris pick, it's the competition is going to, you know, bring out the best player and they're going to be able to figure out who is going to be able to take that last spot eventually so through four rounds can't say chiefs two defensive players two offensive players filling out positions of need and continuing to add versatile players that might find a way to make an impact for the Kansas City chiefs so and so far we should feel pretty strong uh, about this draft class again the chiefs don't pick again until late in the fifth round barring another move up so We're going to wrap this up and take a quick break right now, but we'll be here with you throughout the entire day three of the NFL draft as the Kansas City Chiefs are making moves. So as soon as they are on the clock again or make another move, we will be right here. So make sure you're locked into our Twitter feed, our Facebook feed, our YouTube feed. 
here at Arrowhead Pride. Make sure you're checking out all of our player profiles. We got all the info you need at arrowheadpride.com and right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. So we'll talk to you guys here in a little bit when the Chiefs are back up. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I think we're live here on the AP Draft Room. This is day three of the NFL draft. So this is perfect uh, right now. Exactly what's going on. Some technical difficulties, but uh, it seems like plenty of you uh, can see us. Uh, we might be joined by our good friend, uh, Jay Binkley from Six Sense Sports Radio here in a few minutes, but I'm Steven Serta joined by Caleb James and Ron Cop Jr. Covering the entire NFL draft on day three, the Kansas City Chiefs getting ready to go on the clock in the fifth round. Um, I think, after their fourth round pick in uh, Virginia Tech defensive back, Jamar, Jamar Connor, we're still kind of waiting on that defensive tackle, still kind of waiting uh, on some other possible positions of need that uh, we think the Chiefs have a chance to to address. And guys, we kind of been on a uh, quarterback run here in the uh, late fourth, early fifth round uh, here in the NFL draft. So, there's some guys available, right, that the Chiefs could be seriously interested in to try to fill that need along the interior of their defensive line. Yeah, no, I, I think that's one thing that I'm a little disappointed with the Chiefs draft pick so uh, draft so far is that I feel like they did need to improve at the defensive tackle position this offseason. You didn't see any major additions um, in, in free agency, and you didn't see um, you haven't seen a top 160 pick um, at the position, but they are on the clock here at 166. Guys like Moro Jomo and Keandre Coburn from Texas would make sense to me. DJ Dale, the Alabama defensive lineman. They just need bodies uh, in there, you know, someone that can play the nose tackle specifically. But it just in general, they could use bodies. Um, and so I think it is defensive tackle. Caleb, what do you think? Yeah, either defensive tackle or, you know, we mentioned some of these names. We've been doing, going through like uh, Keandre Coburn, maybe even Gerard Clark at this point. You know, just someone that can try to get in there plug up that a gap play the one tech for this team really they also could have a couple of options along you know edge rushers if they were wanting to you know take a risk and go after you know a guy that doesn't necessarily fit their uh fit their mold you know you're taking a look at a guy like isaiah land who uh he's a real flexible bendy edge guy out of florida a&m small school prospect maybe even bj thompson uh you know if they're looking for more of like a thicker more traditional type defensive end carl brooks would be in this range also Moro Jomo fascinating player on the board it feels like with the way he plays though him being kind of a smaller guy it feels like the Chiefs already have guys that can fill that role and 
we're seeing the pick is in. I think it's going to be a little bit before they actually do announce the pick, though. Well, I, I, I think we talked about defensive linemen. I think that does make sense. Jose Ramirez is another edge rusher, I think, would make sense in the same mold as Isaiah Land. But there are some receivers still on the board if they want to double up at that position. You know, Trey Palmer has not gotten drafted yet, and he is a speedy – uh, you know, four three three forty yard dash receiver from Nebraska. The former he he went to LSU uh, before that, so I think he would make sense. Andre Ishevish, Yoshevish from Princeton, the receiver. He's another deep threat kind of player that could complement the fact that they got kind of that X type in Rasheed Rice earlier. But there's running backs too, man. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, the local guy, is still available. Um, you know, you you could get a Kenny McIntosh, the Georgia running back. Um, there's a lot of a lot of ways it could go right here, fellas, but. Um, I definitely think that the receiver position, the defensive tackle position, um, I, I think those are two likely ones, just skill position in general, I should say, on offense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be upset if they double dipped in, uh, on wide receiver. Is A.T. Perry right. still available? I know Rocky absolutely is. loves him as a prospect. And so I know Rocky Magania, who will probably join us a, a little later on uh, this evening, uh would probably be doing uh, backflips at his home if they wind up landing A.T. Perry in the fifth round of this draft. But it, it does seem like that defensive tackle position is the last thing we really need them to fill. And actually, uh, speaking of our friend Jay Binkley, who I know it oh, wow. loves himself some defensive tackles and is probably hoping that's where the Chiefs go uh, right now, but uh, they did go with another defender, but it was Edge BJ Thompson from Stephen F. Austin. So, Jay, can you hear us? You got us, Jay? I can. What's going on, fellas? Hey, Jay Binkley. What do you you see the pick? BJ Thompson. What do you What do you got? What do you What do you think right now? He's big, 6'6", 240 pounds. I mean, here's the thing with the uh, Chiefs. B.J. Thompson was looked to maybe be a seventh-round pick or priority free agent, but the Chiefs just so nails on this uh, these day three picks. And I think it's been a great day for the Chiefs anyway with Connor. They're going defense once again here. But uh, Connor, the pick right before this, my uh, favorite pick, uh, the, the class so far for the Chiefs. Really? He is your favorite pick of the wow, class. Wow, Jay. He okay. is. You Even know over, over Felix? Not a big Felix guy, Jay? No, I am. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the my favorite for just the need, what the Kansas City Chiefs do, and with Shamari Connor, the fact that he led Virginia Tech in sacks back in 2019, can play safety, can play corner, you put him in the nickel, you put him on tight ends, and you really uh, – and you really hurt the tight ends. But what a great fit and what a hitter. I mean, this guy's a thumper for the Chiefs. They haven't had a hitter like this for a while, but a guy can play uh, four phases of special teams, but uh, really like that pick. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, I want to get into the full draft class while while we got you, Jay. But uh, Caleb, Ron, like, how do we feel uh, about this pick? It's starting to feel like maybe – the Chiefs are just like, yeah, we can probably just find a veteran defensive tackle off the scrap heap and, and sign him late in the offseason or something like that. And and the position, you know, that is the position that you can feel better about doing that, uh, you know, at than maybe other positions, right? You know, hey, the, the nose tackle position is an early down position, maybe not, a, you know, a three down position. Um, and, and so you kind of feel better. You can patch it up. But and specifically on B.J. Thompson, you know, this is, you know, that double up on on edge rusher. 
if they were going to do it, it makes sense to me to do it with a speed rush type rather than kind of that traditional uh, defensive end. You know, Isaiah McGuire, you know, the Missouri edge rusher, you know, it's, you know, he wasn't on the board, but, you know, in that same range, you know, there could have been guys like that um, in, in that they could have gone after. But I think it makes more sense to go after, you know, a kind of a unique kind of rusher. You know, I, I think Jose Ramirez in this range would have made sense too. You know, Caleb just mentioned Isaiah Land. You know, B.J. Thompson is in that same, you know, kind of speed rushing type. It's kind of different from what they have in the edge rushing group right now. So I definitely get the double up, and I'm, I'm glad they went with someone that's not as, as you know, the same as the rest of the defensive ends. Well, Zippy yeah. Reed said you can't have enough uh, pass rushers, but this is a guy that's probably going to take some time. You know, the, the red shirt years, like Kane, though, that they expect the stuff from, the guy that put in the system, and they love rotational uh, pieces with this, but definitely uh, athletically a guy that can get there. But, you know, again, can he come in and continue with Stan maybe a year or so until he's ready? He's still got some uh, NFL strength and conditioning to go ahead of him. Taking a look at the board right now is interesting because after this pick by Arizona, I think it's getting ready to fall very favorably for the Chiefs to be able to maybe go back and get their interior defensive lineman. You know, they got the first pick of the sixth round. So, and really just looking at the teams across the board, there's a lot of teams up there that have really pretty good interior defensive lines. I still think – I think if they are, you know, the way that the board fell, I think they're going to have their chance. But Thompson is definitely not the, you know, not the archetype they've typically gone with for their edge rushers. I'll be curious to see his length and bend and, you know, how Spags plans to try to incorporate it into the game plan. And some guys, there's some names of defensive tackle when you're talking about interior defensive tackle. I really like uh, Coburn out of Texas is still available. Scott Matlock at Boise State is the guy I actually mocked to the Chiefs. Uh, um, I just love the way he plays. But there's still some talent there on the defensive line. Jay, no, I'm totally with you. I, I, I am a big Coburn guy right now. I feel like he just fills an immediate need for the Chiefs. He could come in and play right away at that nose tackle position, you know, with Chris Jones and on early downs. You know, I'm surprised they haven't got one of the, gotten, um, you know, just a defensive tackle in general uh, this far into the draft or, you know, coming up on the top 200 picks. But again, I do think it's one position that if, if you do have to patch it together, you can feel better about it. Um, and these other positions are a little more maybe valuable to get future, uh, you know, uh, kind of, you know, uh, future guys, you know, guys that can uh, develop a little more. I think you can get your get away with, with what they got at defensive tackle. Still a couple of my favorites uh, remain out there. Zach Coons, the tight end from Old Dominion. I really thought the Chiefs might throw a dart at, at Zach. He finished one or two in every athletic uh, event at the combine, and he's six foot seven, plays tight end. I out of Old Dominion, um, four five five forty for a guy that big. I, I was hoping they were going to throw a dart at a tight end here uh, when they go, but still Hunter Lukey the. Uh, the fullback slash H-back slash Wildcats uh, player from North Dakota State still remains a day and a special, big special teams player. And I know Connor plays a lot of special teams uh, to Shamari Connor they took uh, before, but still a couple of guys I really like out here. See, that's the thing with me, Jay, is like the Connor pick, I, I feel like I would have loved it a lot more if it was a little later in terms of getting that guy that's going to be a four-team special, a four-phase special teamer. I just feel like, with that first pick in day three and moving up to get him. I just, I don't think it's a good justification to say, Oh, he's going to be really good on special teams. Like we need a little more from, from, from a pick. I would think in that range, just so it's but, but here's the thing though, Ron, I mean, you're talking about a guy that started at corner, a guy that started at safety team captain of Virginia tech. I mean, he's a four, five, one guy. He's a speed guy. Um, and it's in that kind of mold of luxurious need. 
Although he could play safety, which makes him a little bit different. Um, He's my favorite pick. I think Daniel Jeremiah was out here saying, too, it's his favorite pick so far today. And with Shamari Connor to the Chiefs. Yeah, he he did say that. I think that with Connor, he, you know, he gets downhill really well. Like you mentioned, he's a big hitter. He's a hammer when he's flying downhill. I think he just needs a little bit of work on his transitions. At times, he just looks a little bit uncomfortable, you know, when he's lined up in the slot. But that versatility is valuable. I mean, it is valuable depth, if anything. Yeah, 100%. That's what they're doing. The Chiefs are grabbing all these guys who are athletic, and they can move them around. I'm, you know, I remember Brett Veach when he was on Pat McAfee's show a couple months ago. It was after the Super Bowl. Talking about versatility, the plug-and-play. And we've seen it so much with the offensive line. You think Andy Reid wants a guy that can play tackle, guard, center. Well, that's the same way they look at defense. What can you do? Can you be in the nickel? Can you play safety if we need you? Can we play corner? It's the plug-and-play mentality that the Chiefs have gotten. And uh, I was talking – earlier jay about it, it feels like the last two years like we've really witnessed uh, a kind of philosophy change in the way they're trying to build out that secondary where now going into next year you have some hitters in, in that safety group with, especially like, this dude yeah like I, I love brian cook connor's that guy justin reed is that guy they bring in the veteran mike edwards like all of a sudden that safety group for the kansas city chiefs like that's a lot of dudes who aren't afraid to lay a hit on somebody. And, and it's, it's very different from a couple of years ago where you're down to Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew, who's not interested in tackling anybody. Yeah, exactly. You got guys and they really bulked up the secondary. You think about the chiefs they spent last year, you know, really throwing darts at that secondary. Just, you know, you bring in the Jalen Watson, a guy in the seventh round, they get you a couple picks in the postseason, and, the NFL is such a pass-happy league, and you look at these quarterbacks lining up in the AFC, and just to counteract, that's what the Chiefs have done. Look, at they, they've gone for edge, and they've gone for secondary help. And if you want to combat yourself against these high-flying offenses in, 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 in the AFC, it's what they're doing. It's what teams are doing to stop the Chiefs. The Chiefs are doing the same thing to stop their quarterbacks. And while we have you, Jay, because um, I'm interested to get your opinion on the rest of the draft class so far, because you already talked about Connor and uh, and, and Felix uh, a little bit. But how are we feeling about wide receiver Rasheed Rice and, and offensive tackle Wanya Morris? One thing I really like about Rasheed Rice is, well, first of all, I got Pat's endorsement. So no matter what anybody says, Pat Mahomes endorsed him. So I'm good with that. But you look at what he did in college. I mean, yeah, there's some drops here and there, but he's so physical when he's got the football. We've seen him in the weight room. You know what he can do. But, you know, this is a guy third in the nation in receiving yards last year. He led college football in receiving yards per game at 112. He was the only receiver in the nation over 110 yards uh, per game receiving. Uh, but I like it. And kind of the pressure's off, too. You know, you got Sky Moore here, Kadarius Tony to step up. So Rasheed Rice doesn't have that come in and be the savior mentality uh, with this offense. But uh, really think the Chiefs – Again, I like that middle group, that middle tier of wide receivers. Like, I like Jonathan Mingo a ton. That was probably my favorite guy. And then there was Sheet Rice in that area, Cedric Tillman. Um, there's a chance that wide receivers five through nine have to be have as much chance of success as one through four, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, we we were definitely with you on Jonathan Mingo. That's a player that we were talking about. You like Mingo, too? On, uh, day two of the draft, so a little bummed with uh, we saw him go ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, no, Jay. Also, I, I was a big Mingo guy. I, I, I'm glad the Chiefs went with the receiver in in the in the mold of Rice. Right, same I, mold. 
Yeah, exactly. I think the thing with with the Chiefs' current receiving core is they have a lot of guys that you know came one with speed, one with you know yak ability, but they really are missing that guy that can win through physical coverage. You know, make catches. You know, through you know with with a guy on his back potentially. You know, kind of maybe went into the sideline. No, Juju Smith-Schuster did a lot, a lot more of that than maybe I even thought he could um, before, you know, last season. He, he ended, ended up being quite the perimeter receiver for the Chiefs to the sideline, down the field uh, to an extent, making plays after the catch by breaking tackles. That's something Rice can do. So um, I do like the style of receiver they picked there for sure. And as far as Wanya Morris, again, athletic guy. And the Chiefs have had success with the Oklahoma offensive linemen. You know, Orlando Brown in here, Creed Humphrey in here, and the fact he knew Trey Smith. And again, you look at your guys and you look, all right, where's the fit? Obviously, Trey Smith, you know, his opinion probably weighed in on this. He played with him at uh, Tennessee on that left side. He's over at the right side. But once again, he fits right now. He can even play guard, too, in the NFL. So once again, you find that guy that can move all over. And I expect him to compete at right tackle for the Chiefs. Yeah, same here with you know him going in there for that competition at right tackle. And really, you know, drafting tackles that late, you know, in like the 90s range, a lot of the time it can be like throwing darts. So, you know, if you got your one lucky dart or you got your dart you use all the time or you know it well, you're going to use it. And, you know, he's played for the same offensive line coach that Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown both played for at Oklahoma. And he lined up next to Trey Smith when he was at Tennessee. So there's a level of comfort and familiarity there that they know he's a guy that, you know, they can continue to develop. And, you know, he's he's a pretty athletic guy he's got room to grow but he's going to be you know thrown in there with that competition for niang so that's going to be fun to see how that one plays out the guy i really liked though went the top of the fourth round and you know the saints just couldn't wait to get him nick salivary out of old dominion you talk about a guy that can even play center guard tackle whatever here's a guy that really climbed late you know made 15 top 30 visits but if the, that was the guy I, I was really hoping for at that point so if they if they didn't get one yeah Getting Nick Sutterberry would have been the way to go. And before we let you go, Bink, uh, I- I'm just curious. And like we saw, so as we we're kind of heading in today, we're thinking it- it's day three of the NFL draft. We can kind of chill a little bit. It's not going to be as crazy as the first couple. It's of a fun time, sir. And then, and then top of the fourth round, we got 15 minutes before the draft even starts. Like trade, trade, trade. And, and all these teams are moving around. The Eagles having an absolutely insane draft weekend, but obviously Georgia, then they get the Andre Swift who went to Georgia. Yeah. The Eagles, uh, I, it's pretty indisputable. The Eagles have improved their already loaded roster this weekend. Like it's insane what Howie Roseman has pulled off this weekend, but you know, the chiefs obviously still have a couple of more picks, but you know, those picks notwithstanding, like how, how are you feeling about the overall roster? And you know, coming into this draft, we talked about it a lot, Bink. Like, the Chiefs didn't have so many holes this year like they did last year where, like, we went into the draft last year not even knowing who their cornerbacks were going to be outside of Legereus Need. So this year it feels like you're kind of filling depth players and hopefully taking some swings on guys that you can de- develop. But overall, I-, I still think the roster is in a really good spot right now. No, it really is. You think about right tackle, there's going to be legitimate competition for that, but not a lot of positions. It'll be more like who's going to be in the rotation uh, for the Chiefs. I I think I'm most looking forward to training camp with the wide receivers because, you know, you think Kadarius Tony has that ability maybe to be the number one. MVS, what are they going to do? There's going to be some serious competition. I mean, there's not a, a ton of talent uh, disparity between a lot of these players. 
Like MBS has certainly shown some skills, but maybe he hadn't shown the physicality uh, that he needs in Kansas City. But Rasheed Rice thrown in there, Sky Moore that catches everything. There's going to be legitimate competition. And then Justin Watson coming back, there's going to be legitimate competition to get snaps, a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, like, I'm really interested in that. Like, that's one of the – I guess at this point, if you said, what's your number one thing you're looking forward to at camp, it'd be the wide receivers in the order uh, in snaps and kind of yardage, what you expect from the guys. And the other would obviously be the right tackle competition. I got to ask you guys one thing though. If there's one guy left in this draft, who do you want him? Uh, who do you want to be on Kansas City? I mean, Coburn was a good pick, honestly. I, I like I like you going there. But if I'm going to switch it up from that, even because I do think the Chiefs should address the running back position. I think Kenny McIntosh, the Georgia running back, just makes so much sense for what they need at the position. Someone that has experience receiving, someone that has experience in pass protection, someone that played in a pro-style offense. Georgia is a very comparable offense to what you're going to see in the NFL. And again, just a just kind of a playmaker, too, um, with the ball in his hands. Um, not the fastest guy right now, not the most explosive, most impressive athlete at, uh, in terms of his athletic testing. But that's why he's going to be slipping to this point. But I think it'd be really good value once you get to uh, uh, their next pick probably here. I like McIntosh. Don't forget Veach. Uh, it is a press conference right before the draft and mentioned he had thrown in. Can we get a running? If we look at running back, can he play in the slot as well? So if you take your running back, put him in the slot as far as that's concerned. But uh, Hunter Lupke uh, at North Dakota State's my guy that uh, just those simple draft dreams that you have. No, Lupke would be – he'd be so fun in this offense. Andy Reid could find ways to where – you know, they're lining up on like short yardage plays and all of a sudden the fullbacks are running a wheel route out of the backfield. I'm going to stick with the uh, I'm going to stick with the uh, actually I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go really if you're looking for a great draft value right now, um, you could look to the inside at guard. Andrew Voorhees was probably a day two pick before he tore his ACL in the pre-draft process. But, you know, he's a guy he got his letter of recommendation from the doctor sent out to all the teams saying he'll be good to go once he's back. He could be a guy that you could maybe draft now and get a good value on. And maybe, you know, one day in a year or two, he becomes, you know, your Joe Tooney replacement. That would be kind of a sneaky pick in this situation, more of a planning for tomorrow rather than playing for today pick. What about you, sir? Do you always have your guys? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm going to side with them because I trust their opinions more than my own at this point in the draft this year. But I'm also going to pick a, a guy that our friend here at Arrowhead Pride, Rocky Magania, would absolutely love, and that's wide receiver A.T. Perry. Um, I'm fine with them just dipping again into the wide receiver pool because there's Jay – like you talked about the wide receiver camp battle, like – they got so many wide receiver bodies on yeah. the roster right now. And and I think I think it's smart because obviously a lot of these guys aren't going to wind up making the team, but we're headed into a season where every kind of wide receiver on the roster right now is like, yeah, you could talk yourself into why they would be really good, but we still haven't necessarily seen it. Like, you know, Kadarius Tony, we know that he could be a special player if he can stay healthy, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy so far in his NFL career. And Sky Moore, while I'm still a huge Sky Moore believer, we are just kind of projecting right now with him because we didn't get an opportunity to see a lot of him as a rookie. And then, you know, MVS, Richie James, Justin Watson, like we know exactly what all those guys are. Justin Ross would be really cool if he turns into something, but we don't want to hold our breath there. And 
they just got a lot of bodies. So I, I'm fine with them continuing to try to just add bodies and, and see if they can strike gold with somebody. You know, the uh, A.T. Perry being 6'4", Bryce Ford Wheaton that's sitting out there too. Again, MVS is 6'4", I get that. But Bryce Ford Wheaton 6'4", as well. The guy that I kind of like sneakily right now is Trey Palmer. You lose that 4-3-3 elite speed that McCole Hardman had. He's got 4-3-3 elite speed himself. And, you know, came in, had that 1,000 yards in Nebraska this year. But when he was at LSU, he had that kick return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown. So I, I kind of like a little maybe Trey Palmer at wide receiver. Maybe Ronnie Bell sitting out there as well. I'm a big Trey Palmer guy, Jay. I think he's the perfect complement to what they already took in Rice, right? You need a kind of that future deep threat. He's got the 4-3-3 three, three speed, former LSU guy. He's the fastest guy in the roster. Yeah, he, yeah, he has that speed. I'm surprised he hasn't gone already just because of that speed. Um, I definitely think he and Tyler Scott were kind of slipping to that point where I would have picked them even at that last at that last slot. But, yeah, he's still here. I would love to see Trey Palmer. We're only a few picks away now, uh, fellas. So um, I would love to see Trey Palmer. Oh, yeah. They got number one in the sixth right now. So how many picks do we have? Should we just stay here? I We could we could let Jay Bakley go because I'm sure he's got a, he, he wants to keep watching this draft. We are only a few picks away, but maybe we'll, we'll take a break and come back live for you guys. But before we let you go, Jay, uh, what kind of beer is on tap for uh, celebration uh, on a wrap of the NFL draft in Kansas City? Oh, man. Um, tonight, I, I still have some of that uh, firkin from last night. That's a little smaller cask. That was maple, vanilla, coffee, porter they had last night at center block. So that's probably going to be uh, on, on on tap tonight. I still have some Irish uh, beer left over, some uh, stuff uh, locally from Call Sign Brewery. I'll probably crack into tonight. Sounds delicious. Can't wait. Uh, crack a beer for me. I'm ready to have some beers and celebrate uh, fantastic Same. draft here in Kansas City. Uh, he's Jay Binkley. You can follow him on Twitter at Three Guys in a Garage. You should also listen to everything that he's doing at, at 610 Sports Radio. Jay, thanks for joining us. It was fun catching up, man. Fellas, have a good time, man. Enjoy the rest of the draft. Yes, sir. Good seeing you, Jay. So Kansas City Chiefs will be up in a few minutes. We are going to take a break here just to because – uh, this late in the NFL draft, I feel like it's a lot of time to fill when you're waiting on like four or five picks. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back here in a few minutes so we can get caught up on some of the other picks as we were just discussing everything. So we'll catch up with you guys again here in a few minutes for the Kansas City Chiefs first sixth round selection. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride draft room. I am Steven Serta hanging out still with Caleb James and Ron Kopp as we are moving through day three of the NFL draft. And we thought we were going to have to have a quick turnaround after the Chiefs picked up uh, edge rusher B.J. Thompson from Stephen F. Austin in the fifth round. But the Chiefs immediately traded the number one pick in the sixth round to the Dallas Cowboys for a future 2024 fifth round pick. But they are currently on the clock in round six at number 194. Caleb, Ron, uh, you know, the Chiefs have addressed their positions of need, and now it seems like they're taking kind of some swings on, on guys with athletic upside, hoping that maybe those guys can develop into players for them somewhere down the road. But right now, with the way the board sits, where do you think that they still need to go, and who are some of your favorite values left still in the draft? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record because the last time the team was on the clock, I was kind of touting them to get defensive line help because, again, I think they do need it. 
Um, and we still have some of the same guys that we liked at the last pick on the board. So it's kind of fun there. Keandre Coburn, the Texas defensive tackle, can come in and play the one tech, that nose tackle position, can compete with Derek Nottie. But also DJ Dale from Alabama uh, is on the board as well. That's somebody. Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina. Nessa J. Silvera from Arizona State. P.J. Mustafer from Penn State. Um, yeah, so I, I think they have options if they want to address that position. But we are to a point right now, guys, where it, it's getting close to UDFA time. And, and they may not really care about positional value at this point. They may just be getting guys that they want to take swings on. Um, and so I don't know if we, we really need to care about defensive line right now. But it's kind of fallen. Uh, to uh, to a good point if they want to address it, right, Caleb? Yeah, it, it has fallen. I think it's funny. I pointed out, you know, a second ago when we had Bink on, you know, uh, we took uh, – they go B.J. Thompson there, but really they only had 10 picks to go, and you took a look at all the teams that were in between there. There weren't really that many teams that need defensive tackle help. Here we are some 20, 25 picks, whatever it is later. Those same players Ron just mentioned are still on the board. But like you said, you know, this is the time of the draft when – if you even have an inkling that a guy could be a special football player, if you even have a thought that he could be, you know, there's someone out there that could end up being a difference maker on your football team, you shoot your shot and you take them. And, you know, there's a couple of receivers that have fallen too that could be interesting. You know, even a guy like Zach Koontz, a tight end, you know, obviously his great size. Taking a look, though, at the receivers, you got A.T. Perry, you got Xavier Hutchinson falling also. So, those are guys that I think I saw mocked in a lot of middle round type situations. And, you know, here we are at the, you know, this, the in getting close to the end of the sixth round and they're still here. So and it looks like the pick is in. So this is, this is getting ready to happen, everybody. Yeah. Should be coming up pretty quick here for the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, this is their second to last pick still holding out hope that they trade pick number two fifty. <laughs> we can wrap this draft class up, but if not, we will certainly be here until they make their final selection. Um, so I, I would say if, 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 if a few other guys to throw out while we're talking about day three guys. Oh, and look at look that. that. Look at that. Hold on. Love to call that. We love to call Get that. Yes, sir. We yes, like sir. That. It's defensive tackle uh, Keandre Coburn from Texas, which is a guy that both of you guys have talked about. I think Jay Binkley mentioned him, too, is somebody yes, he uh, that he'd really like to see the Chiefs take. Look at it, that. It fills their last major need that that interior defensive lineman that uh, we've been waiting three days basically for, for them to take after it was reported that in the first round they were interested in Mozzie Smith. It ha- it takes until day three for them to finally take a defensive tackle. But why do you guys like him so much as a prospect, and why are you so thrilled to see the Chiefs land him in the sixth round? Well, first and foremost. I mean, they just do need someone uh, at the no tackle position that can eat up double teams, that can take up space, that can open up opportunities for the linebackers behind him to, to go and make plays. I think they've just lacked that in recent years, unfortunately, with who, the, who they have on the roster. That's what Coburn brings to the team. You know, he's a wide body. He's a very stout body, but he has strong hands, too, at the point of attack. So he's going to bring that kind of jolt to offensive linemen. Um, and, and kind of you know punch him back at first, but also be able to kind of maintain his 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 ground, his footing on double teams. So I really do think he's a perfect fit. Could come in right away um, from the starting spot with Derek Nottie. And and just again, I, I think at this value, I like the fourth round pick. I liked him earlier in the fifth round. I think value here is great, Caleb. Man, he is an absolute load in there. He is gonna fit everything that Joe Cole is looking for in a big defensive tackle. 
and they traded back and got him instead of panicking and staying at the you know where they were at a second ago. They add the extra fifth next year. That was just absolutely great, you know, board manipulation by Brett Veach there. And what you know you like about a guy like this, he is a two down player. But those two downs, he's going to make his impact felt. You know, he's not going to be a penetrator. He's not going to be a high production type player. But where he's going to make his impact, he's going to be just sitting in there, and up those double teams in the run game, and being a presence in there next to Chris Jones. The way the, the NFL goes nowadays, you know, it is hard for you know these big defensive tackles to even get much value put on them. But that's why you get a player like Coburn falling to where he didn't. You're right, Ron. We, we thought he might be a fourth-round player. We thought there could be a big run on defensive tackles after the third round when you see two similar guys in Siaka Ika and Broderick Martin go back-to-back. You kind of thought we were like, oh, man, Coburn's not going to stick around long after that. But he lasts almost two rounds later. I'm, I mean, I'm all about this pick. So they get their defense. They get themselves another defensive tackle. It is clear now, you know, they've drafted two edges the defensive tackles, so they've added bodies to that unit. So I'm about to pick. I like this one a lot. I, I would actually grade this pick an A right here in this situation where they got their value and the pick for right, for right here. And let me welcome welcome in our guy, Rocky Magana. Rocky, uh, Rocky I, I know he's probably been sitting at home watching day three of the NFL draft, just juice and ready to hop on the pod and discuss it. Rocky, how you feeling right now? How thrilled are you? Good things in life are worth waiting for, boys. Oh, my gosh. We wanted a big, meaty son of a gun right in the middle of the line. The guy that you don't take to Thanksgiving dinner because you got to get him his own turkey. Oh, my gosh. Keandre Coburn, just a big space eater, that that that, that prototypical nose tackle, the guy that the guy that's just going to sit there, that, 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 like, you know, Gilbert Brown, like, just, just throw back, just guy who's just going to just take three guys on and just hold them and hug them and just treat them like they're children. Like that's, that's who we got. And you're right at this position, a, a plus pick, man. Like this was like the one thing remaining in the draft. That was a, a crucial need. And the chiefs went out there and got amazing value at this pick. Uh, I just want to mention Rocky. I, I don't know if you're currently watching the draft, but the following pick, the New Orleans Saints, pick your boy. A.T. Perry is off the board for the Kansas City Chiefs of the sixth round. Dreams <laughs> die slowly, boys. But you know what? Like Celine Dion once said, my heart will go on. You know? So, so now we're through six rounds. Chiefs only have one pick left, and it's it's a ways away. We're full. 54 picks away from the Kansas City Chiefs final pick in this NFL draft in the seventh round. So we can kind of start to put a bow on, on this draft class right now where, you know, uh, you know, I know that they got some impact players in the seventh round last year. And so it doesn't mean that they can't land an impact player in this year's seventh round. But with only one pick, like how, how are we grading the Chiefs draft class in totality now that they really have addressed virtually all of their positions of need. And maybe that seventh round pick is another running back just to kind of fill out that room a little bit more. You know what? Give me some Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round. And I'm, I'm giving this, this, I'm giving this class an A minus on a whole without Kenny McIntosh. I don't know. The, the jury's still out. I could, it's still like right now. I think we're sitting at a solid B plus, but if we can, 
if we can hit a home run with the last pick, I, I I could get up into an A range. It's where where are you at, Ron? Like overall letter grade on the entire draft class through six rounds. So the thing I really like about this draft class, and I've continued to say it, I said I said it on day one, I said it on day two, and I'm saying it now is they've continued to you know, stick to their positional needs pretty strong and in a good order. Now, hey, we've been saying, look, they've been kind of waiting on defensive tackle a little bit, but obviously they knew they had some options later in the draft that they felt good about waiting on. And in the meantime, took, uh, you know, best positions available, best players available to an extent. Because think about it like this, guys. You know, if Coburn was that fourth round pick and Connor is the pick now, we feel a lot better about it as, hey, you're taking that sixth round pick as your special teams player and your fourth round pick as a guy that can compete for a starting spot. It just kind of flipped around, but. You know, if we're going to go to a, a total letter grade, I, I, I will go ahead and say A minus. I, I really like this class. Um, I really like the positional values they've attacked. And I think that's just mo- one of the things that's just most important when we're talking about evaluating a whole draft class is did they go after the right positions? You know, there, there's a world where the Chiefs come into this class and, you know, and, and, and maybe just pick the wrong positions at the wrong times. And like, yeah, they ended up with some some decent names, but just kind of didn't attack the value the right, in, in the right way of the class. I feel like they really did a good job picking the pockets where the positional value, the strengths of each position was going to be, and it ended up really well. So I, I, I'm a big fan of this class so far. I'm going to go with a B for my grade, and the reason for that is I still felt like some of the trade-ups and some of that stuff that we saw yesterday and today, they did seem a little bit off. It did kind of feel like they were reaching for a couple of guys quite a bit. But it's hard to argue when, you know, you enter a draft with needs and you fill those needs with, you know, good quality players or who they perceive to be good quality players. And listen, you know, I think what really makes this class is the FAU pick on day one. Going back to that, I mean, that is that was felt like a home run pick right there. And then, you know, yesterday you take two guys with a lot of upside. They have work to do, but they have upside. And today, you know, you take another kind of project guy in B.J. Thompson, um, Charmani Connors, you know, he, if anything, is going to at least provide that special teams depth, maybe even more. There's been a lot of smoke around his name in the last hour or so about people saying what and they, you know, how great of a prospect they thought he was. This is the first time I've heard of some of this. And then, you know, you go back and like you're saying there a second ago, man, you go and you get a legitimate one tech, zero tech nose who can go in there from day one. He's just going to eat up bodies in there space eater and Coburn. So for me on even, I mean, and they could go running back. Sean Tucker's still on the board. I, that feels like it could be a possibility. So I'll go with the solid B. I still, I just, the only reason I can't give it an A is I just think some of those trade-ups were still just a little bit weird to me. Yeah. And I do wonder how much their inability early on in the draft to kind of make that move that a lot of us expected in the first round uh, kind of affected the way they treaded the rest of the way there. Because uh, I mean, at least if we're to believe the reports from day one of the NFL draft, like the chiefs were actively trying to get up in the first round and it just did not work. And so then you have to, you know, you, you get Felix who you feel good about. And then the rest of the draft, they're kind of picking and choosing their spots where they want to move. And you know, barring them moving this final seventh round pick, they're still going to come out of this draft class with seven players this year. And, and, and they didn't, you know, have to give up a ton of assets to acquire the picks that they did. So we'll, we'll see how these guys wind up playing out for them. But, you know, based on last year's draft class, like, is this, is this draft class going to have 
six out of seven impact players on the team? Probably not, <laughs> but that doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Like if you come out of this thing and, and Felix is the only guy that winds up being like your serious, like high level impact player, like that's still a pretty successful draft. If these guys just manage to stay on the roster and, and, and get some snaps here and there, especially on the special team side of the ball, which we saw how bad and inconsistent that special teams unit was last season. So I right. think some of this is kind of geared towards, we don't want to have those issues uh, again this season. So I, I think there's something to, to read into a little bit there, but overall, if, you know, if we're trusting Brett Veach and his staff to evaluate, even if, uh, even if it feels like they reached on some guys a little bit, they addressed all the positions of need that we wanted to see them address. And now it's on them to develop these guys and figure out how they fit into things. Well, I think one thing you, you kind of mentioned, maybe looking at a past class and maybe kind of doing some comparison a little bit. I think that interesting thing, when you kind of look at the surface of this class uh, to me is that I think last year you could make the argument that, yeah, it was kind of built to be maybe more immediately impactful, you know, based on the positions they they kind of went after. And, and the fact that they had a bunch of roles kind of needing to be filled, you know, there was positions needing to be filled this year as well. But this class definitely feels more kind of like a long term, kind of like a, uh, you know, development class overall. Right. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Felix, you know, his best years are ahead of him. Um, you know, he could be good right away. But you're talking about, you know, a guy with with a high ceiling. You know, Rasheed Rice, I would say the same thing. You know, I, I think, you know, he's, he's someone that could use a little work and could be really good down the stretch with his athletic ceiling. You know, B.J. Thompson obviously fits that that mold. You know, Wanya Morris fits that mold. I mean, you're talking – yeah, I, I think this class has more of a chance to maybe be not as immediately impactful, but one that, that you could have a few guys develop and really come into their own uh, closer to the their second contract maybe being signed. Yeah, I think that especially a guy like – like like BJ, like BJ Thompson and Wanya Morris, but uh, Felix is gonna kind of learn on the fly. Like, let's not act like he's not—he's gonna be on the field, right? You know, and so whether his success is gonna rely a hundred percent on his ability to learn how to swim while fighting off an offensive lineman, and you know, if 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 you and if you believe, you know, Chiefs assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi, where he compared him to Tamba Hali you know, yesterday and just said that he's that relentless guy that that won't do anything but just keep fighting and fighting and fighting, then I, I'd rather I, – I mean, I'm betting on Felix to be a home run hit, honestly, at this point, um, just, you know, because he is that relentless fighter. And then when you heard him talk about how during COVID he didn't watch Netflix, he didn't play video games, he was watching tape and he was working out <laughs> – and that's how he got bigger. Um, just a guy, he's dedicated to winning. And I said it before with some guys, but like, like if I played for the Chiefs, I would literally give every single ounce of everything I had because it's my hometown team. It's a, it's a team I grew up watching. And so I just, I feel like, like he's literally just going to live, eat, breathe, and, and everything Chiefs football. And he, and he may not be the only rookie in that boat where he has to, you know, learn on the fly. There's a very, very high possibility that Keandre Coburn ends up being the starting one tech or nose tackle at right. some point this season. Just with, you know, Derek Naughty, you know, starting to decline and starting to go down the chain a little bit. You're going to have a guy that can come in. He's never, ever going to be like your high, you know, like your high number pass rusher. He's not going to be like a great production guy, even in like stats and stuff for anything, but he's going to come in day in and day out. And he's going to have to go in there to work 
and just be stout against the run. So I think there's a very high possibility he ends up being, you know, the Chiefs end up with two rookie defensive linemen playing down the line as we kind of get into, you know, you know, as we get into things. And uh, on uh, defensive lineman Keandre Coburn, uh, uh, from a uh, profile on the Draft Network, it, it talks about what a dominant run stopper he is. They, you can find that actually on our Twitter page at, at Arrowhead Pride. Um, I, I mean, that seems like, too, something that they've kind of been chasing for a while. And I know last year their run defense actually wasn't a, as bad as it had been o- over the last several years. Like, they had their moments where – that they were actually pretty solid last season, but still kind of up and down. Like you get a, a sixth round defensive tackle who winds up being a, a day one starter of a, a veteran like Derek Nadi, whose snaps have been declining the last couple of years. That's a pretty big win, especially if he winds up being that interior middle clogger who is like a, a dominant run stopper at the next level. Like that's a, that's a pretty big win for a, a position of need that, you know, we were like, they could do this in the first round and they tried to do it in the first round. If you're uh, supposed to believe the reports of them trying to trade up with the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, I think this is a big win for the Kansas city chiefs. And again, we got one more pick left uh, to wrap things up at, at the NFL draft in Kansas city. The festivities I'm sure will be going on for a while in downtown Kansas city. So if you're out and about, make sure you get down here because it has been a blast all weekend. Rocky, uh, final thoughts uh, before we get out of here. What what else do you want to see in the seventh round? Or just final thoughts on the draft class? Whatever you want to talk about, Rocky. The stage is yours. You're muted. Well, you got to unmute yourself so we can hear you first. <laughs> All right. You All right. That might, you know what? It might work if I actually use technology to my advantage. Okay. You know what? Say what you will about the draft class so far. We're not going to know anything about them until week six of next year, like like any kind of grade. But looking at it, I, I believe in these guys. I think this is a great overall draft class. And I think that the pick 250 at this point is a luxury pick because we have we have all of our all of our needs met. Find the most high upside offensive weapon you can find, whether it's a running back, whether it's Zach Koontz, whether it's a wide receiver, you know, at this point, and just like Matt Landers, just and just go for it, man. Just like, like, go for a high upside guy that could be, be an awesome weapon and then put up points and run it back. He's Rocky Magania. You can follow him on Twitter at Rocky Magania. I encourage you to go to arrowheadpride.com right now. Uh, we've got everything you need to know about every player in this draft pr- class and, and process. Got everything you could ever want there. So make sure you go check that out. As always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Uh, for Ron, Caleb, we got one more draft pick. We will be back uh, about 50 picks or so when the Kansas City Chiefs are on the clock for the final time to wrap up the 2023 NFL Draft. We will talk to you soon. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. And the final time you were going to hear from us this NFL Draft Weekend, we're going to wrap up the Chiefs draft class. They are currently on the clock in the seventh round, pick number 250. The pick is in. We are awaiting the announcement. Uh, Caleb James, Ron Kopp, been doing all the work all weekend long covering this entire NFL draft. And It's been a blast. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us all weekend long and checking out everything that we're doing here at Arrowhead Pride and at Arrowhead Pride 
com. Seventh round, super late in the seventh round, too. Uh, any Anybody here that is still on the board that you guys would be pretty excited to come away with this late in the draft? You know, running back position, we've been kind of talking about. Um, Sean Tucker has some medical red flags that were flagged at the Combine um, that, that has made him drop a lot because he is definitely a better talent than than what should be going in the seventh round, the Syracuse running backs. I'm looking at him, but also Keaton Mitchell, the East Carolina running back, um, big play guy, uh, you know, very fast in the open field, very smooth runner. I'm going to be a guy that's going to, you know, uh, make a lot of big plays. Unfortunately, he's kind of a smaller guy, um, maybe more of a change of pace back than necessarily a, a, a guy you can ask, you know, to, to play a lot, um, but definitely that big play guy. But, but Caleb, any, any guys you're thinking of right here? Yeah, you know, this late in the game, you might just be looking for guys who are going to be special teams contributors. I'd keep an eye on maybe like Ronnie Bell, the local prospect. Isaiah Land, he's an interesting edge type prospect with who could probably play special teams. And then uh, Keaton Mitchell is also a running back. He's the uh, fastest run, and he timed one of the fastest 40s of any back at the combine. So, you know, he's got a lot of speed and explosion, and he might be able to do something like do they just the do they just totally take Hunter Lupke though? Yeah, or? that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the North Dakota State fullback. Hey, man, that's if we're talking positional needs on this team, man. The fullback position uh, is one that that actually you know we we need someone, right? We got a uh, we got uh, Michael Burton in Denver now. Um, I don't think we're bringing out Anthony Sherman from retirement. I think he's still he's still just chilling, hanging out. So uh, Hunter Hunter Lupke, we we feeling it? I I think that might be a good one. Yeah, uh, that would be a very Andy Reid pick, <laughs> right? Like, this late in the draft, Andy's like, you know, I, I know my, the fullback might only play, like, eight snaps a game, but I still like to have it as an option. And those fullback dives that replaced the quarterback sneak several years ago or things that Andy Reid still likes to mix in every now and then. Hey, man, James Groves is about to announce this pick, so you know – it's about to be live. Yeah. Make some no. noise for it in Kansas City. Yes, sir. No, but if it's not running back, um, I, I do think it would make sense to to even do another body on the interior defensive line. I think that would make sense, too. But yeah, Gerard Clark is still there. Yeah. No. Nick Jones, a defensive back from Ball State, is the pick here. I do not have an opinion on him at the current <laughs> moment. So, hey, it's uh, pick 250. It's fine. Um, you know. Another defensive back, though. That was one, I know, one uh, position I, we all kind of felt like they may not need to address in the class, and they got two of them today. I mean, we're spoiled with these late-round DBs and late-round draft picks and Isaiah Pacheco and Jalen Watson, but – I mean, the Chiefs, e even with their secondary being as deep as we believe it to be and, and the talent that we saw them produce with so many young players last season, they picked up a couple more defensive backs in this class. And I don't hate it. Um, just just like the, the previous DB that they took. I, I don't know if this guy's going to be anything more than a special teamer. But we probably said the same thing uh, about Jalen Watson when he was taken last season. And even like... Nazee Johnson, who was uh, a late round pick for them, who right. uh, is a player that got some snaps last season and might still develop in into a guy that they could get some snaps from in the future. So that secondary is deep and it it's certainly not a problem for the Chiefs moving forward. Yeah, no, Nick Jones, I'm just looking at his, his player profile right now. Um, he is a corner. Uh, I'm getting this right this time. I promise he's not. I, I did not. I'm not lying to you. He <laughs> actually plays the cornerback position in college, um, played on the perimeter. 
Um, comes in at uh, just under six feet tall, 189 pounds, played at Ball State for four seasons, uh, was second team all-conference last season, uh, led the team in pass deflect, uh, passes defended, and, and, and does profile as a, a press corner, according to the Athletics' Dane Brugler. So definitely someone that fits the Spagnola mold in that outside cornerback room. Um, so this this seems like more that Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson pick from last year, um, that, that kind of longer-bodied physical outside corner that, again, you know, it's just a body to throw out there, someone that can beat up receivers off the line of scrimmage and, and, and be a willing tackler potentially. So I think that's what we're looking at here with Nick Jones. Yeah, and I do think it's interesting. The Chiefs go back to the MAC. They've actually got a good number of players from that small conference over the last few seasons, you know. So just some familiarity, I'm sure, there with some of the coaches and staffs in that conference trying to figure out who's what. But, you know, you bring up the special teams thing, and that is probably where they're trying to go. You know, they're thinking probably a little bit ahead with that. He could be a guy come in on the practice squad, and injuries happen, you know. Injuries happen across the league, across the team. If he ends up on the Chiefs practice squad, there's no guarantee he might end up, you know, getting poached off of there and end up on another team and actually make an active roster. But I, I do like that he does have some interceptions. They do show that he is kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of a ball hawk, kind of similar to uh, how what Jalen Watson was coming out of Washington State last year. So overall, it's never a bad thing to continue to load your secondary. Yeah, just to just to look at some stats for Nick Jones. He only had three interceptions in his college career, um, which which is you know it's it's not the greatest production numbers, but he he really got his pass deflections up last year. Had 14 passes defended in the 2022 season. Um, definitely isn't used you know isn't necessarily as a playmaker uh, around the line of scrimmage. You know, a very little sa- or no sacks and only one tackle for loss. Um, but he's definitely someone that that seems to be kind of that pure press cover corner, uh, the guy that can, again, you know, disrupt receivers coming off the line of scrimmage, you know, kind of disrupt their route path, their route timing. Um, and, again, I, I, that's what the Chiefs want at, at outside cornerback. Um, we'll see if he, he if he has, uh, you know, uh, the, the special team's ability. But he's not necessarily the most athletic player. You know, he didn't have necessarily the greatest combine. Um, 4-5-1, I guess, isn't is, – 4-5-1 is pretty good for a cornerback, I will say. A long cornerback, a bigger cornerback. 4-5-1, 40-yard dash, but – but yeah, no, this is just a swing and, and a guy that, that uh, you know, at, at best case scenario is kind of that Jalen Watson type, uh, you know, a corner that can contribute on the outside. And I, I want to remind you guys that we have broken down every aspect of this Kansas City Chiefs draft on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. So make sure you check out night one. We got full four hours of night one breaking down every first round pick. Uh, night two, we broke down every single Kansas City Chiefs draft pick. And then night three on the podcast network, we also have every single reaction to each and every pick that the Chiefs made on day three of the NFL draft. And it's an interesting draft class. And, and now looking ahead, the things that we got to start paying attention to, the undrafted free agent class, which the Chiefs are always super active there. They, they always find some guys that they like that didn't wind up uh, managing to get drafted in the NFL draft. That's where they got Justin Ross last year. And they always seem to pick up some of those guys who, who might wind up having a chance to make the roster. And also the veteran market that is still available right now, they could still use, uh, you know, so, some other positions, but they addressed everything that we really wanted them to address in this draft class. I think the last thing is, 
we're probably going to see Jarek McKinnon signed back here pretty quick for <laughs> yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's actually a great point here with the Chiefs not going running back. Uh, it definitely feels like Jarek McKinnon's back in the fold sooner than later. But but definitely look out for the UDFA class. There's going to be some interesting names in the undrafted free agent class. Um, and, and the team does need running backs. I mean, there's no guarantee even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on this team by the, by the start of the 2022 season, 2023 season, excuse me. Pacheco really is the staple, and and right now they need other guys around him. McKinnon makes a lot of sense, but man, I I could see one of these UDFA guys they they end up picking up uh, running back could end up making a uh, uh, being a significant contributor on the roster this year. Yeah, and there's I mean there's going to be guys that fall. Not every team, you know, there's what six picks left. Not the not they're not all going. They're not all going running back here. You know, maybe one of them gets taken, but. They've, that is maybe the one position they didn't really address that closely. You know, obviously they have a lot of confidence in Pacheco. I'm sure they really want Jared McKinnon back. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still on the roster, and, you know, his role seems up in the air right now. But I'm sure they'll do their due diligence and bring in a little bit more talent than what they have currently. But, you know, overall, if also this is the kind of the time to pay attention to some of those top 30 visits that they conducted with team because now – you know, while we're all getting ready to pack up and kind of go home and get ready to just chill out for a little bit, I'm sure y'all are getting ready to do the same thing. It's a great day on Saturday. The Chiefs aren't done yet. Brett Veach is getting ready to be on the phone for hours, you know, getting these guys that aren't drafted, you know, trying to see if they can get them to sign. And, and now he's going to have to go through the whole competition of signing a UDFA, throwing money to a guy who they actually want to bring in, you know, a guy if they can see if they can bring him in and try to, uh, you know, try to see if he could compete in the league. Um, you know, just thinking back to a couple of UDFAs who made some impact on the Chiefs, uh, Tershawn Wharton was one of those guys, very, uh, you know, from a very small school, Missouri S&T, you know, a few years ago, and all of a sudden he's breaking in and playing significant snaps for two seasons. So Veach is definitely, you know, he does a good job in these back-end rounds of being thorough, and if they see a guy that they really like, they'll probably make him a sizable offer in, you know, this undrafted free agent period for with them. It'd probably be like, you know, it'd probably it'd be a significant amount of money for one of those guys, not like a giant amount, but like just for one of those guys, it would be. And, and something to keep an eye out at arrowheadpride.com. We will have an undrafted free agent tracker up, uh, assuming tomorrow or Monday at, at the absolute latest, we'll be all over that for you guys. Serta, I got to tell you, it's up now. Uh, okay. we, we don't have, we don't have any updates right now, yeah. um, but, but it is live and running. So as soon as we get an undrafted free agent, we'll make sure we tweet it out and then we'll kind of get the ball rolling on that. But, uh, but yeah, we're only four picks left in this draft, fellas. We, we, we have, we have looked at the whole thing. We've been sitting here for the entire thing. And then, uh, it's been a good time, man. It's been a good time. I've had fun. So again, Kansas City chiefs, Round one, pick number 31, select uh, Ed Rusher from Kansas State, Felix and Adike Uzama. Round two, they select SMU wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Round three, they select offensive tackle from Oklahoma, Wanya Morris. Round four, they select DB Virginia Tech, Jamari Connor. Round five, they select Edge Rusher BJ Thompson from Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they trade their, one of their sixth-round picks. Next sixth-round pick, they take defensive tackle from Texas, Keandre Coburn. And then with their final pick in the 2023 NFL draft, they select Ball State cornerback. 
Ugh, uh, sorry, Ball State <laughs> cornerback uh, Nick Jones with their final pick. Uh, we feel better about him than than that. I so yeah. no, that wasn't that wasn't me hating on him. We like, we like cornerbacks it's, with ball skills. I told you guys it's been a very long weekend. Um, I need some tea or something. We've been talking so much all weekend long, but. We have had a blast covering this entire NFL draft for you guys, and we really appreciate you listening to everything that we're doing here at Arrowhead Pride. So, uh, Caleb, Ron, final thoughts on the draft class, uh, final thoughts as now we've got a, a much better picture of what this team could look like ahead of the 2023 regular season. So, I mean, they they addressed every need possible. I think there were a couple of, you know, head-scratching picks. That doesn't mean they're going to be bad players, you know. I think the thing people get wrong is they see our reaction and they think like we don't want the players to be good. We generally like to be proven wrong because that means the Chiefs are doing incredibly well and then we get to continue to enjoy writing about them. But, you know, I mean, FAU, he was like just you can't go wrong with him no matter what there. And, you know, Rache Rice and Wanya Morris, they're both going to be in some, you know, they both have some developing to do. And, you know, really – Today, I, I don't really have a problem with any of the picks. You know, the Connor pick kind of came out of nowhere, the trade-up. But then, you know, they go with the guy with a lot of athletic upside, B.J. Thompson. They go with a guy who we feel very strongly about is going to be playing a lot of reps as a rookie in uh, Keandre Coburn. And then, you know, they just take a swing right here on a uh, on a cornerback who has some ball skills he breaks up passes he fits every box you want he's only 21 years old could be a special teams contributor nonetheless so it wasn't like the most flashy draft in the world but they address the needs and they continue to load their roster with highly athletic players emphasis on the highly athletic and yeah, yeah. sorry well, final thoughts ron well i was just gonna say i mean the athletic profile thing is definitely true i mean they've they've all of their picks besides coburn have been nine or more ras actually we haven't looked at nick jones yet for his RAS, it could be, it could be good. He ran a four five one forty. But the the only thing I would say, and I'm going to write about this, I really feel like this class, this class could be one that we don't see the immediate returns, maybe that we've seen these last couple classes. Because it's easy when you see these the rookies immediately contribute to say, okay, well, Beach knocked it out of the park with this class. We may not be able to say that as soon as we've been able to say it with these past two classes. It may take a few years until we really feel good about, you know, the results of this class. And I really feel like that could be the case, even if a Felix and Udike Uzama plays well at first, even if Wanya Morris starts, I feel like you're going to see these guys reach their ceilings a little later than maybe, you know, Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, Trey Smith. These guys lately have come in right away and have, have pretty much been the players they are. I don't think that's necessarily the case. This could be one where there could be some frustrating moments at first with some of these guys towards the top of the class, but maybe in a year, maybe two, Maybe by the you know once we get closer to the second contract, uh, we feel better about them, and and, and maybe they kind of you know change some people's minds um, from when they were first drafted. And yeah, I, I think what you said there about you know having to be a little bit patient, and maybe not seeing these guys make impacts right away, like that also is a testament to the success that they've had in the last two drafts. Like when you fill those roster needs with starters and, and guys that you know are studs, well. Uh, this is the situation you want to be in where I, I think what we can, what I feel like I can confidently say about this draft class is that like, maybe you feel like the chiefs reached a, a little bit on a couple of these guys, but I don't think any of the reaches were necessarily like outrageous. Like you, you address positions of need and 
you know, we, we talked about them trying to move around uh, a ton and, and it seemed like they were having a ton of conversations with that, but maybe weren't able to get some, some deals done that they were kind of floating out there and they were still able to kind of move around and, and come away with a solid group of draft picks and some guys that have some serious potential. Um, I'm excited to see these guys in action. Uh, I can't wait till training camp to see what some of these young guys look like in the Chiefs uniforms and how they fit into what the Chiefs are trying to continue as they try to go for another Super Bowl this upcoming season. So uh, I think overall, very good draft weekend. We didn't screw up that many things. Um, I only forgot names a couple of times. I only lost my voice once on the final segment so i think that's a huge win but overall guys i i think we should be pretty happy with it so i want to remind you guys to check out everything that we're doing at arrowheadpride.com again we've got everything you absolutely need to know about the entire draft class so there's no other place you should be going for your chiefs information than arrowheadpride.com make sure you're locked into the arrowhead pride podcast network as always i'll have the full day three podcast up later this afternoon and Also, tomorrow morning, we will have every single press conference from the NFL draft coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. So please make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing there. You can follow Ron on Twitter at Ron underscore cop. You can follow Caleb at at CJ Scoobs. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Once again, we had a lot of fun. Uh, It was was a good time, Kansas City. Kansas City threw a pretty big party here at the NFL Draft. We're, We're excited to see where this draft class goes, and we will talk to you guys again very soon.